Welcome to week two of our Christmas Unplugged series. Welcome to Prodigal Church. We're so glad that you're here. And I just want to say thank you so, so much for your generosity to Prodigal, uh, not just in tithes and offerings, but also um, in, uh, uh, in buying these Christmas presents for 240 kids. Every star got taken. God multiplied the generosity in our hearts. So give yourselves a round of applause. We're able to bless 240 kids uh, in our community uh, with Christmas presents, and that is just such a, such a great, great blessing. Um, so we're in week two of this series. Uh, how'd you do on your digital detox? Uh, were you able to resist going to your phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night? Maybe. We've heard some great feedback from some of you that have tried this. And once again, screens aren't bad. We don't want to guilt you, uh, but we do want to redeem our screens. And this morning, we tackle social media. First, let's have some fun. Here are some of the embarrassing Facebook posts from the, some of the nearly uh, 3 billion people that have posted this past year. Here we go. Just found out that my birthday is the same day as I was born. Life is crazy. Aha, heart, heart. Okay. Example two, here we go. I love when I can smell a guy's colon as he walks by. Heart emojis. Now, Cologne, it's a tough word, right? It's a French word, so it's a little difficult. A, a few other people struggled as well. Here's a couple more. When you hug a guy and you smell his colon. Uh, when you can smell his colon on your pillows, even though he's not there. It's cologne. Cologne. Maybe my personal favorite. So much for calling me, Dad. Let down once again. Who wants to call you Dad. No one. My dad said he was going to call me, but he didn't. Then the correct way to say it is, so much for calling me, dad. Ha. Who cares? Not your dad, obviously. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It is a terrible thing when our phones don't cooperate with us. Um, as a pastor, I meet with people all the time and meet with new families and new people who go to our church and stuff. And I remember bumping into someone at Starbucks uh, who is just newer to our church and we start, you know, talking everything like that. And um, we're just shooting the breeze. And then his phone rings and his ringtone is this. I'm sexy and I know it. So he's scrambling and then it's like, it gets worse because he's like, oh, my kids, they changed my ringtone. You know, my kids changed the ringtone. And then it happens again. Boom. I'm sexy and I know it. And now I'm feeling awkward. I'm trying to make the guy feel better, you know? So I'm like, wiggle, 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 yeah, you know? And like, I'm trying to dance with this guy in the middle of Starbucks. No, that didn't happen. There's nothing worse than when our phones don't cooperate with us. You're writing a text to one person, but you accidentally send it to the person you're texting about. You've all done it too, Okay. Or you accidentally like someone's photo from four years ago. Uh, social media has taken over our lives. It's taken over our world. Facebook has 2.8 billion users on this planet. Instagram, 800 million. Twitter, 330 million. Snapchat, 186 million. Now, all technology has the power to expand and extend our normal human capacities. Okay, so like a microphone. It expands and extends the human capacity for speech, right? More people can now hear from a greater distance because of a microphone. It expands and extends normal human capacities. A car does the same thing. It expands and extends the human capacity for locomotion, for movement, for travel. 
But at a certain point, technology can also distort and obscure those same human capacities. For the microphone, if you turn it up too loud, you'll get feedback. It'll completely obscure your voice. No one can understand what you're saying. And in travel, if you get too many cars all together, you get gridlocked. You're in a traffic jam, and you're not, a snail is moving faster than you are. All technology has this potential to expand and extend natural human capacities, but also the power to obscure and distort. So in what ways has social media distorted and obscured? Number one, social media can make life all about me. All about me. The, the statistics are out. Our phones and the media we consume them with, uh, it's changing our brains. Paul cautions us in Romans 12, 3. He says this, For by the grace given me, <clears throat> I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul uses the, the, the some form of the Greek word phroneo four times in just this one verse. He uses it hyperphroneo here, uh, and it mean, hyperphroneo means to think highly or to think more often than you should. Uh, over, hyper means over, beyond, more than, beyond. Phroneo, uh, it, it, to think. So when everyone, social media feeds this. When everyone likes our post, we gain value from it. Begin to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Paul says we shouldn't do that. We, we shouldn't hyperphroneo. We should sophroneo. Okay? Think realistically, soberly. Don't think too highly of yourself. This is a danger for us. And it was a danger for the ancient world as well. Uh, there was this Greek mythological hero called Narcissus, and he was blessed by the gods with supernatural good looks. Here's a, a painting of Narcissus. All the women of the world adored him, but he never returned their love. So over time, the maidens grew angry with Narcissus, and they became angry with the gods because he never returned their love, and the gods listened. So deep in the woods, they created a pool of pure silver, and Narcissus stumbled upon the pool, exhausted from a day of hunting, and he's leaning over to drink the water, and he sees an image reflected back to him. But he mistook it for a beautiful water spirit living in the water. So as he gazed at those bright eyes, those curled locks of hair, healthy glow, he fell in love. And when he leaned forward to kiss the fair face, it went away. After time, when the water stilled again, it returned. And he leaned in again to kiss, only for it to dissipate. Uh, he was so taken by the image uh, in the water that he lost all thought of food and rest. Soon, Narcissus began to starve, but the pain of hunger could not overpower the stunning beauty that enraptured him. Eventually, he withered away and died. And the traditional interpretation of the story is that Narcissus fell in love with himself. It was the Greek warning against excessive self-love. And Sigmund Freud later derived the term narcissism from this myth as a way to describe the neurosis of extreme selfishness or, or uh, self-interest. Some of you according to your Instagram, loves you some self, okay? 
Now, you may not stare at yourself in the mirror longer than you should, but there are other ways our selfishness and narcissism plays out in our lives. And Facebook and Instagram are catalysts for self-love. And if we're caught up in love of self, then we're not caught up in love of God and love of neighbor. Jesus offers us a better way, focusing on loving God and loving others. More often than not, though, it's not the things that we post that are destructive to our minds. It's the things that other people post that are destructive for us, right? The Jones, the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. We feel bad about ourselves because we're looking at other people's highlight reels. Uh, Number two in your notes, don't compare your actual inside to someone else's virtual outside. Some of you needed to take a picture of this and post this, okay? Don't compare your actual inside to someone else's virtual outside. We display perfectly edited photos, but it's just not reality. Social media is not real. It's a Photoshop version of ourselves. It's all edited. It's all selected. We end up comparing our real life with their Instagram life, and there's no comparison. It becomes a breeding ground for envy. Proverbs says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Peter says, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. Love and envy don't get along. Envy, it's, a, it's a sneaky sin. Uh, some of us are caught up in envy online, and whether we realize it or not, it makes us less pleasant to be around. Because the Jones are so good looking and have nicer everything than I do, I'm going to allow that to affect my mood and affect my soul. I really feel that for some of us in here, envy of others has moved you beyond just feeling bad into some sort of depression. And God wants to heal you of that. Why when we see a photo online of a good looking person, maybe traveling or at a nice restaurant or something, we never think, good for them. No, that's not what we think. Now also, maybe that's not the post that are affecting. Maybe you're the person bragging, I'm sorry, posting. Maybe you're the one posting these photos. There's a real fine line between posting and bragging. And if we'd pause for a moment before we post, even for a moment, we'd realize that more often than not, we're bragging, not posting. We, we all agree nobody likes a bragger. Nobody likes a boastful person. But social media has this amazing alternative. Have you heard of this? It's called the humble brag. Oh, it's good. It's a boast wrapped in humility or complaint. Okay? Here's a few examples of the humble brag. You've seen these. It's so hard to get Jason out of the house today. All he does is want to play the piano. So she reels you in with this vulnerable part of her kid not listening to her, and then she throws out, my kid's a musical prodigy, just so you guys all know bragging. Humble brag. Or a caption might read, this place is beautiful, hashtag blessed. But what, what she meant was, look, I'm on vacation and I can afford it and you can't. 
We do this almost unconsciously. And to help explain the hum- humble brag, if you're not are familiar with it, consider the following situation. Let's say that you've been invited to attend an exclusive charity event in recognition of your contributions to some really good cause. So you'll be given free tickets, and you'll get to mingle with all the elite in our city. It's a formal affair, and you don't really have something suitable to wear. And so if you were to engage in humble bragging, you would post something like this. I got invited to the party of the year, but now what will I wear? I don't have anything nearly good enough in my closet. Hashtag, I'm not worthy. This is not humility. This is pride. Now, this humble brag, it's been around a long time, not just within the last several years of social media. Consider the opening quote from Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, written in 1813. Nothing is more deceitful than the appearance of humility. It is often only carelessness of opinion and sometimes an indirect boast. The humble bragger recognizes that it's hard to be liked and to be a show-off at the same time. They're trying to get the best of both worlds. It attempts to elicit sympathy and admiration simultaneously, and you cannot. The humble brag, in fact, doesn't work. We become experts. Through social media, we become experts at appearing to be better than we actually are. I read a story of a a daughter, maybe nine or ten years old, and and, uh, she's uh, getting ready, everyone's getting ready to eat around the dinner table, and she does this eloquent prayer as they have guests over. So they have guests over, and and the daughter does this beautiful prayer, amen, and everybody's smiling, and all the the guests that are there are smiling, and then the daughter says, mom, aren't you going to post that? Aren't you going to post that? Something is off about this, right? Social media is a great way to pretend to love others. You like a post, but what have you actually done? I remember several years ago, one of the missionaries we support in in southeastern Africa was struggling, and there was a big famine in, in the area, and we tried to post and raise money, and we got like, I don't know, this was back when I was a youth pastor, and it was like 100 likes and no donations. It's a great way to pretend you're actually loving people. Can we move past posturing and become real? I don't want us to be a church that's trying to convince each other that we're better than we truly are. That is exhausting. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest. What's going to destroy any community is relationships filled with posturing and pretense instead of transparency and vulnerability. We want to be the latter, not the former. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I love this quote by Brandon Manning. He said this, The temptation of the age is to look good without being good. Studies have shown that um, often participants for social media uh, feel worse after they've used social media and been on and scrolled for 20 minutes than before. Uh, A follow-up experience showed that everyone who was going to use it thought it was going to make them feel better, but it actually made them feel worse. This, of course, turns out to be the pattern of addiction. And over these past several years, social media has really taken off. It's come out that social media companies have built their platform on research that comes from the gambling industry. Uh, 
That's the technology they're using. Specifically, the way that slot machines are designed to engage people to keep playing for a long period of time. Uh, they took the science of casinos and they built them into social media, Instagram, Facebook. Here's a few tactics that they use. Number one, intermittent variable rewards. See, the human brain responds dr most dramatically to random rewards. So if you pull a lever and you get a treat every time, that, that's not what we're talking about. But if the treat comes intermittently, your brain is wired to get hooked on that. Video games are built this way as well. That's why you keep playing Candy Crush, okay? That's why you played Words with Friends back in the day. That's why grown adults uh, have Pokemon Go and they're out in River Park looking to catch some Pokemon. Intermittent rewards. Another tactic they borrowed is called quantification. It is the insertion of numbers in a place where numbers don't really belong. So now you can quantify your influence by how many followers you have, how many likes you have, etc. You can count your friends, you can count their engagement, you can count your likes and shares. And so then you make value judgments about yourself and your own identity on likes. Those aren't natural to relationships, but they're inserted. They got us hooked. So we begin to evaluate our experiences, not on whether or not it was meaningful, but based on how well it catches the eye of my followers. This is not how we experience real life. The last tactic they barred from casinos is the elimination of stop cues. Stop cues um, are natural and enforced breaks in engagement with something. So there's only so many chapters in a book, there's only so many articles in a paper. In TV shows, you, always, you used to have to wait a week for the next episode. These are stop cues. And in casinos, they eliminate them, right? That's why there's no windows in a casino. All the lighting is the same day and night. That's why, that's why there's no clocks. It's because they're trying to eliminate stop cues. Our social media is built with a bottomless feed. So you can scroll, scroll, and scroll, and you'll never reach the end, right? Have you ever been scrolling and you go, uh, uh, you're back into yesterday, but it's like different stuff. I already saw yesterday. But the algorithms are designed to show you something different. If you say, I've seen this before, then you, that's a stop cue and you put it down. Social media eliminates those stop cues, so it's a bottomless feed. These phones can drive us crazy. For some of us, there's only one remedy. Okay, now I'm going to blow some of your minds here. Uh, there's this function on the new iPhone, okay, and the old ones as well. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but, but what you can do is, is if you just hold the buttons just like this, and then you grab the top, it turns it off. It's a miracle. It is the, I don't know if this phone has ever done that, but it's a, it's a new function, okay? Try it out yourselves. It works. Most of you didn't know your phone could do that. Listen, it's just too much, right? You're praying for the peace of God, but God doesn't have any place in your life to put it because you don't have any free moments. Your mind is too distracted and God wants you to receive something that he wants to give. So we got to turn it off. We got to shut it down. We got to unplug. And so this week for our digital detox, here's what we're going to do. Uh, these are called be present boxes, okay? And uh, you can pick one up on your way out. 
Uh, they're blank. This one's decorated, very festive. Um, and uh, we want to encourage each family to grab one. And uh, we're going to have a contest for not only, this is the Be Present box, this is where our screens are going to go in the evenings when all the family's home. Uh, put your screens in here. It's your Be Present box, your iPads, and then do something else. Play a board game. Uh, go for a walk. Go look at Christmas lights. Go hang up your own Christmas lights. Eat a meal together with no TV and no screens on. Um, not everything can fit in here, but it's a metaphor, okay? It's a be present box. It's, it's a chance for us to unplug and to, to dive in to the real life all around us. Now, we're going to do a competition. Uh, so not only for best box, but uh, what activity you do with it. So we want you to uh, post on your social media <laughs> a picture of the box, tag Prodigal Church, and list the activity that you did, okay? Do it some other time, okay? You don't have to do it right before bed. Don't have to do it during, you know, don't watch your kids through the, your phone. It misses the point. But make this together. Do something fun together. And here's the deal. Uh, the, the winner, after you post it, uh, will tell, you can also DM us too. You can email us. Uh, this is a legit competition. The winning family gets an iPad because screens aren't bad, okay? We're not saying screens are bad. We want to redeem our screens, okay? We don't want them to consume us. Um, and so the winning family does get an iPad. Uh, we're not trying to make you feel bad or to guilt you, but we want to empower you to use social media for good and not just to consume and make it about you. Let's make it about God. Let's bless people. So uh, have some fun creating this with your family. Uh, if you're single, have fun creating it, okay? Go back to school and make this awesome. You can make it a lot better than those of us with kids because the kids, what they think is good isn't. Um, so... It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I uh, read an article this week about a guy who was um, working on uh, social media kind of in a, in a, in a new town and uh, kind of moved out of the area where he was, but, you know, he's still in the same vicinity, a couple hours away, and, and uh, he's getting a little bit lonely, and so he decides that he's going to look at his 700 friends on Facebook and he's going to do a Facebook party at the local watering hole, okay, the local pub. And, uh, and so he does. He sends out this Facebook party, and he figures, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30 people maybe can go out of his 700. And so on Facebook, they have something that says, definitely going to attend, maybe attend, not attend. So at the end of the week, after he posts this, uh, the statistics are out, and, uh, and there was several responses but uh, it was like about 17 people said that they were for sure in, and 30 people said maybe attending, and everybody else, you know, just didn't respond altogether. And so he uh, takes a shower, he puts on his best cologne, uh, cologne with a G in there, and then he uh, puts on his best shirt, new pants, goes to the local watering hole, and he waits, and he waits. And eventually one person showed up. Didn't even know him. It was a friend of a friend. Her name was Paula. And he kept trying to pretend like it wasn't a big deal. And he just kind of kept apologizing uh, for the lack of attendance. Every time the door opened, he'd look over his shoulder. And when he asked his friends the next day, and Paula was nice about it, 
but it was very awkward. And after about 15 minutes, she left and he waited and waited. And the next day, when he asked the people who didn't show up, they said that definitely attending on Facebook means maybe, and maybe attending means probably not. The title of the article, 700 Friends and I'm Drinking Alone. I want to invite Noe and the band to come up. Uh, close with this. I read of a, of a mom at home with a couple of kids. She decided to do an experiment. 30 minutes, she was going to be in the same room as her two kids with no cell phone. And uh, she was going to let them play and just observe. She wanted to note how many times they looked up to see if she was watching or if she was looking at her phone. So she wrote just a small mark on a piece of paper every time they looked up to see if she was attending. Uh, this is with a you know, little tiny piece of paper, just a little mark every time they looked up at her. At the end, that 30 minutes, 28 marks. Okay, yeah, because uh, I think I'm going to start every playing single the minute, moment. No, it gets on one of her children like... looked up to see if she was paying attention. She wrote about what happened if she would not have done this. She said, 28 times my angels would have wondered if the World Wide Web yeah, was more important starts, than uh, them. 28 times my boys yeah. Yeah. would not have received the attention they were longing for. And then at the end of the article, she wrote, please send this to all your friends on Facebook. <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose, right? Here's what I'm trying to say. It'll be on the screen. You have to choose between life and fiction. Those two are very close, but they never actually touch. They are two very, very different things. Life or fiction. We're going to sing a song called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's a Christmas song. It's about God go? becoming a human. Emmanuel means God with us. His presence among yeah. us. Yeah. God didn't I'm send an email. Up there. God didn't send a book. God sent a person in flesh and blood. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what the Christmas season's about. The word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us. It's always been about real people, real life, face to face, flesh and blood. It's not about our digital connections. It's about our real life encounters. It's about the people in our lives, the people in our living room the people that we work with, the people all around us, real life, flesh and blood. And God showed us that in Jesus, God becoming a man, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand as we declare that this Christmas season?